All right, tape heads, it's time for Make Us a Mixtape. I'm your host, Paul Farvar. I'm Marty DeRosa. And tonight we are doing this episode remotely from a secret location. Well, not so secret. No, not secret at all. We're going to... We're going to tell everybody where we're at. We're going to reveal it. Uh, yes. We have a very special guest, uh, legend, if you will. Uh, a true mu- Chicago music insider. We joke around and call ourselves Chicago music insiders. Oh, I like that. And, we, uh, but now we have, we've, I mean, every once in a while we stumble upon a true Chicago music insider. Yeah. A legend in Chicago, if not the world. Uh, uh, survivor. Uh, my God, so much to say about this guy. He's probably created the, the careers of so many uh, <laughs> Your ears are so Those many. are raised eyebrows, actually. <laughs> so For many, those listening at home. <laughs> so many uh, musicians, artists in the country, if not the world. Uh, Joe Shanahan. Hey, Paul. Hey, Mark. <laughs> hey, not just the, you really buried the lead there, too. Tell everybody where we are. We are at the G-Man Tavern. Next door to? The Metro, which we probably talked about. The number about. one. It's my favorite uh, venue to see music in the world. It's my absolute favorite. Thank you. Uh, it's the place where I just like whenever I am at the Metro, I remember being a teenager and when the opening band was already uh, on, just a few years ago, just a few years ago. Thank <laughs> you so much. Uh, just a few years ago when I would be a young teenager. But there's just something about like I remember the first time I, I came to a show at the Metro, just like, you know, you're getting you, they're letting you in and everything. OK, OK, sure. here we go. And then you just once you start hitting those stairs, you hear the mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm a gigantic wrestling fan. Okay. And it's like the first time I saw a, a real wrestling ring in person. I'm at the Hammond Civic Center, and the doors are open, and I see like the corner of the ring, and I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. And the Metro is the same thing. You start hearing them. You hear like the drums. You just hear like, sure. doo, 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 doo. Right. and you're just like, oh, boy, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. And then the first time you, know, you, get, you see those through those doors, you're just like, there it is. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, to me, it's just, there's nothing like it. Well, thank you. Coming up those stairs actually still thrills me. Um, just like you, um, you, you come out of that first landing, yeah, and it's just like you feel the, the the heat, the sweat, the you know, just the the visceral experience of of, of a band just yeah. working something out on stage, and that could just be sound check. Sure, and it's <laughs> and it's just like it's one of those things too, where, and I'm sure there's there's thousands of people who if you leave there for that first time, like if you see your band at the Metro just crushing it with the, with the Chicago crowd. And it's just like, you leave there and you're just like, whoa. Like, I like sometimes walking around this neighborhood and you'll see people coming out. Yeah. And I don't even have to know who the band is, but I just watch the people and they're just like, oh. It's life altering. It, it, it's interesting, Mark, because I enjoy that too. I, I will leave the club sometimes before the band ends mm-hmm. and just kind of hang out outside, watch people come out the doors, go across the street to the hot dog stand or come over here to G-Man Tavern for yeah. a beer. That can be the most, you can just see the looks on people's faces, how happy they are yeah. um, and that they've had a good time and live music is that communal experience that uh, obviously can't be digitized. Yeah, it's, it's not even just live music, Joe. It's live music in an intimate setting sure. at a venue that is, I mean, Metro changed my life. I, I, I've told this story before, but I was a music insider as a child. Uh, I had an older brother who uh, got Just me, a few years ago. Yeah, just a few years ago. Uh, in 1983, uh, okay. I wasn't even 10 yet. I was a, a kid. Yeah. Uh, my brother had to take me to see the police at Comiskey Park. Oh, sure. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to watch all these amazing shows. I saw large shows all the time. And then in 1991... Uh, a friend of mine takes me, um, freshman in high school, and my friend takes me to the Metro to see the Connells. Oh, sure. And I was yeah. like, this is 
the moment for me because all I want to do is come back to this place. Whoever played for the next 10 years, I was coming to see the show. I mean, I wouldn't go see punk bands like this idiot over here, but <laughs> yeah. I, but I would go. And I, I still have the stub from that Connell show oh, you do. that changed oh, my life. Oh, this is great. This night, I've got a bunch of stubs here from Metro. I love uh, this. I remember this show. I booked this show myself, actually. Um, they were a band that I kind of discovered through my friends in uh, Athens, Georgia, uh, yeah. REM. They were kind of like uh, f- friends or fans of the Connells. Right. And so there was like a, you know, back then it was a lot of word of mouth and you'd get on the phone and uh, talk to people about music in different cities. And that's a, that was a, that's a really important uh, uh, transition of uh, college rock. You know, yeah. that was a, what was really coming, right. it was coming in. And then you, you had like live Toad the Wet Sprout. I mean, all those kind of oh, yes. college rock well, I can bands see your taste 90s. in music now. <laughs> well, that was then. I've then, of course. <laughs> when you still, were... still a little more on the gentle side. Yeah. Gotten a little more gentle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that we noticed too, or I noticed, and I'm sure you, most people, especially in this neighborhood, whether it's the the bar owners or restaurant owners is like when a when a concert is here it takes over the block this is now this is no longer cubsville property this of is, metro this is okay now it's yeah now it's like oh everyone's here to see the alkaline trio or everyone's sure. here to see you know and it's like it takes over the whole neighborhood which i think is so cool yeah we like that um you know in, in a sense that one of the most satisfying things for me personally is one I can ride up on my bicycle or drive up in my car and see the line go around yeah. the block, go around the G-Man Tavern, under scene. People patiently waiting to, you know, come in and, and, and see their favorite band. Oh, and some of, sometimes we see people lining up as early as noon for a show that's at like, you know, seven o'clock. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like the Foo Fighters or something like that. Yeah. It could just be something that's local or even regional that has created a lot of energy. Uh, and uh, yeah, I like that too. I mean, when, when you mentioned the like REM telling you, oh, book our buddies, the canals, they're great or whatever. Yeah. Before the internet, did you ever like book somebody and they showed up and you're like, wait, you're not the band I thought I booked? Like there was like a mix up or something where, you know, click through the internet, you're like, oh, I'll click on you, I'll email your manager, I got it all. Did you, did you, anybody ever show up and they're like, hey, we're the, you know, we're the, we're like the, the replacements. And you're like, no, you're not. You're not the, re-. they're like, well, we're the replacements in, in, uh, you know, no. Philadelphia. No. Oh, wow. That's I, interesting. I, I, I did my research. Yeah. I did my, because, because back then, you know, back when we opened in 82, um, we'll be celebrating our 40th anniversary in, in, in two years. Um, it's interesting because there were f- several venues in, in, in the, um, uh, Midwest, so it was St. Andrews Hall in Detroit, First Avenue in uh, Minnesota, Min- Minneapolis. Minneapolis, and then it was Mississippi Nights in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. And so between those four clubs, including Metro, I would basically talk to the bookers, talk to the, yeah. the guys that were programming the music, and say, oh, what's coming out of your city? Well, this is what's coming out of my city. Uh, this is what's happening in our scene. It could have been like the exchange of like the replacements and Husker Du and, you know, Trip Shakespeare from Minnesota, and we're sending them the pumpkins and urge yeah. overkill. So it was the, that was the conversation. It was like, what's happening in your your neck of the woods, so to speak, and 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 how do we, you know, uh, figure out the juxtaposition of like keeping the local bands mm-hmm. moving and, and traveling because the Midwest touring world at that time was all pick up the telephone, you know, call Vince Spannon at for St. Andrews, and you know, I'm coming up for a weekend. So, yeah. I think that that's a big part of it. So let's jump in. You said you know, when you started here over 40 year, almost 40 years ago, whatever. Take us, take us back. Uh, give us your background in music. How did you end up uh, with the Metro? Well, it's interesting. It's funny because today, actually, uh, through the the uh, the internet, um, 
The first band I booked was R.E.M. Wow. At Metro in uh, 82, July, uh, September of 82, August of 82. And um, it was interesting because there was a song called Radio Free Europe mm -hmm. that, I, that I had gotten my hands on. And I knew that this band. And I had seen them perform in New York at a club called the Danceteria and had given them my my card you know i gave him a piece of paper with yeah. my name on it basically paul still said, gives out cards call, call, i know call me you know <laughs> if you're ever in chicago that. and, and need a gig. Production, yeah. yeah well they lost a gig here in chicago and they actually picked up the telephone and called me and said we have lost a gig and we're, we're coming through i you know we remember meeting you and you know can we put this together and i uh, was their their road manager and manager at the time put me in touch with their agent and and we were able to put this first show together and it was very exciting because you know we had 500 people show up. I thought I was massively successful, but you know, only half the club was full. But uh, we had beer and pizza after the show, and I figured, okay, that's that's a good way to start. But today, I actually found on Hibtone Records that single, Radio Free Europe. Mine's missing somewhere. Someone, it's it's disappeared. The original, mm -hmm. but they reissued it as part of their uh, their anniversary as well. So, exciting times. Yeah, I I. Uh I remember coming there, um, and, and, and I know all the, I mean, because of you, I learned about the Pumpkins and so many of the bands that are my favorite bands, but I want to talk about, then, you know, you guys, it adjusted to, there was a time where you introduced music, and then the cool part for me was that I started booking shows for you. Right. And then we had some of our greatest moments together, and I had to, I, and just coming up those stairs, like Marty said, and being like, holy shit, this is a yeah. show that I put together right. and you'd come here and then you look on the list and the next day like we'd have a show on a Friday and the next day of Saturday it's like oh Chance of Rappers here it's like sure. no big sure. deal sure. and you guys well, have so many different <clears throat> shows so many every day of the week it's I think variety has always been something that I've enjoyed because that's my own personal musical taste is I love punk rock music but I also like industrial music I also like metal mm -hmm. I also like hip hop so in a way for us to sort of look at what and how the calendar came together over 40 years. I mean, you're right. It could be Derek Carter and Smart Bar on a Friday night, and then the next night, you know, Metallica in, in Metro. And I like both sure. as just as much, you know? Right. So music is an, is language, and music is, is something that has, you know, fueled so much of my personal life, but also the people that I share it with are the, the great staff that work at Metro and Smart Bar and G-Men. I mean, we're all, we're, Music insiders or yes, record yes, insiders, yes, yes, yes. nerds, insiders. whatever you want to say. I mean, yeah, that's what we are. Basically, we're still fans. Yeah. We still read about music. We still buy music. Today's record store day. I mean, I yep. bought a record today. I mean, I do that every record store day. There's actually two this year. But that's my point is I think that we're still fans. And if you're a fan of music, you're finding new music or you're even still listening to your favorite records. Who are some of the bands that you were like? Especially to before, you know, pre-internet where you were just like, I cannot wait for this band to open. They're going to be so good. You know, I mean, I guess they bring their own openers in some cases, but in other cases, I'm sure you could be like, hey, we got a local band I think you'll like or would jive well with you. Were there bands that you were just like, I cannot wait for Chicago to see this band live for the first time? Well, yeah, there is one band that jumps right to mind, and that was New Order. Mm -hmm. When New Order played Metro, um, it was, you know, a, a magical experience. Um, I knew about the band, I knew about the label, I knew the history of, of, of Factory Records in Manchester, and I was just enamored with the entire thing. And the fact that Metro did get a show with New Order um, is, is, is quite remarkable, and will always be one of my favorite shows, um, based on the fact that um, they, 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 
our air conditioning broke that night. I mean, there were there was things that happened that night that we just could not control. It was every if something could go yeah, wrong, Murphy's it law, went just, wrong. Yeah. But the band was amazing. It was one of the most so cool. legendary performances. There is a tape floating around, which I've heard. Um, and uh, I think there's actually an acoustic version, basically, of Blue Monday. Because, uh, okay. because their computers, it was so hot in the club, it was like 125 degrees in the club. They just timed out. And so they figured out how to do it. I remember that Stephen uh, Morris had to play the drums extremely fast. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, New Order would be one of those shows. You know, I still have the original poster. I remember, you know, selling tickets at Wax Tracks. I remember, you know, just like having a DJ open the show. We, you know, we, the, the curation of it was also very exciting for us because of the fact that it was New Order, and we knew that this was not going to be something that we would see this band at a venue like Metro probably ever again. You, you'd feel that sometimes with bands like, oh, they, yeah. they're not, we can't, there's no way possible that they're oh, not yeah. going to be at the giant stadium next time oh, they're here. Sure. So for let's sure. just have the best show. And I'm sure a lot yeah. of those bands would still rather right. be playing right. at a smaller venue <laughs> versus a giant. Actually, it's a financial situation. Sure. Right. I mean, yeah. I can sell a thousand tickets. They can sell 50,000 oh, tickets. I know. So, so like, I, I would definitely go back and even re reflect on when Metallica played Metro. I mean, that was, you know, just Tell me all about that. Remarkable. <laughs> experience i mean it was like you know again a visceral like you knew oh yeah. shit this band oh, is coming oh everybody in the room rap. knew it yeah. and they were like oh this is this is special the the this is a very very you know driven you know the sound was just like a it was like a jet plane going yeah. off in the metro for 90 minutes you know and then stop for a little bit and then just keep going oh. um so yeah the, the radiohead probably falls into that 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 for me as well um, I believe that Radiohead actually recorded a, a couple of songs um, that uh, from Metro. Timothy Powell had a mobile truck that came in and recorded, and I think they ended up using some of those songs on a B-side in in England in in the European market. But yeah, I mean th that would certainly come to, to to fruition for me as far as like just bigger than the room. Yeah. The uh, Jam Productions has been putting out on their Instagram. Uh, openers like they're putting out like oh we're you know bands that were openers and I, I remember a show here where Pearl Jam was opening for Red Hot Chili Peppers in 91 I believe mm -hmm. I mean that's insane to think right. that you had a lot and I forgot there was actually a super opener too who also blew up and uh, I, I, I can't remember who it was but it was well, like a I believe there was an anniversary show where Pearl Jam opened for Soundgarden. Okay. And so it was those kinds of shows. And I believe that the Jayhawks were in there as well. And That's then right. when I say that might have been like the 10th anniversary or the 8th anniversary, actually, when I think about it. So one thing I really want to make sure that we talk about today is just that my love for the local community, I mean, like bands like Ministry, Industrial Joggernauts, Naked Raygun, Punk Rock, God, you know, Godfathers, pioneers, and so it falls into some of that conversation yeah. too. And the, we, I think that when when you talk about like these bigger names, I mean, Chicago has like yeah, some absolutely. of the fast gra grassroots. We, we don't get into industrial music a lot on this on this podcast. Uh, explain to everybody how important that was in Chicago and how it was just like the sound of Chicago. Good question mark. And and and. and question mark That's marty like, marty oh marty sorry okay <laughs> oh, it's no even better um <laughs> i think that the, the era was definitive in the sense that house music was finding its footings here 
with DJs like Marshall Jefferson and Frankie Knuckles and Ralphie Rosario, um, and, and that, that was all coming up. But also, there was a record store called Wax Tracks that was promoting and producing industrial music. Mm-hmm. I mean, locally and also internationally and nationally. So between the two genres, I mean, and happening almost simultaneously, like Metro would see an industrial show and then have like a big house event in the basement. And sometimes those crowds actually blending because, you know, there was a studio here in Chicago called Tracks where a lot of the artists that were doing industrial music would work with some of the house guys. I mean, Al Jorgensen and Marshall Jefferson made a record. I love that. I mean, I'd love to see more of that today, the, the sort of the cross-pollination of, of the scenes. But quite honestly, that was a very magical time. And that's definitely the, the mid-80s to late or mid-90s was that. Was that was and that, you can kind that, of see how the, how the flow goes. About sure. those, those bands influenced other, you know, you can kind of see. Do you feel like with the Metro throughout the years, there was kind of like, you know, not a house style, but like there was sort of, this was the, the bulk of the shows we were doing were this, and then the, it kind of changed. Because you always have a variety of shows, but yeah. you well, kind of reflect the... We did this thing called uh, Rock Against Depression, which was a Wednesday night. It was three bands for five mm-hmm. bucks, and it was a, everybody played those nights. I mean, the Pumpkins played Different those styles, nights. Yeah. Urge, Urge Overkill played those nights. And that's sometimes the first, first places or the first gigs that some of the bands played. Uh, was to kind of scratching the, the the surface of things before they got a headline slot on a Friday or Saturday, or even a support slot on a Friday or Saturday. I think the Pumpkins are a really good example of like, I mean, though Billy and Jimmy and James and Darcy, I mean, they really worked hard. They we matched their work ethic. They yeah. they wanted they wanted to work hard at their career, their music. Um, forget the career, just the music. The I mean, music. they were they were professional in the sense and perfectionist in the sense that, you know, they would do real sound checks. I mean, almost like rehearsals. And um, I remember some of those some of those uh, nights where some of the staff said, "You got the Pumpkins playing here again? Didn't they just play here last month?" And I'm like, <laughs> "They're going to play here every month, yeah, until I don't own the club." And, uh, and that did come to actually come to fruition because they did play almost every every month for a year. We made sure to find them a date, whether it be a Wednesday night, a Friday night, a support slot, or a headlining slot. Yeah. And that's part of honing your craft. I mean, you guys know this from comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the more you do it, the better you're going to be. You want to be in front of a live audience and figure that out. Well, Metro did that for many bands. Portic Pondering is another example of that. Right. You know, yeah. where like, let's face it, that was their laboratory. I would say to Frank and Max and everybody, do what you want. Play as long as you want. We had a license to go to four in the morning. Do whatever you want. That's and they amazing. were the ones blending that house music with, with some of this yeah. Hawaiian and this sort of Americana. I mean, that's a very important. How, how cool is it as a promoter to see or just a, a booker to see a band, a local band, and then they go on the road and they come back like a little while later and they're just a, like on another level? It's fun to see growth. It's, it's, it's interesting and um, cathartic to see some of the bands um, truly succeed. I, I've always said it's not maybe how many tickets you sell, it's how much fun you're having on stage. It's infectious. I mean, literally, the audience and then the band feed off Absolutely. each other. And I think that's part of like what happens with uh, bands locally, is that they begin to realize that you know, with a place like Metro, they can stretch out and, 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 and figure some things out, almost on the fly. Mm-hmm. Joe, you had a tendency to know the style of you were booking bands that were 
were ahead of the curve. You knew that for a while you were uh, ahead of the curve on the power punk scene. And then later with hip hop artists, you always seem to have your finger on the pulse like a music insider should. Were you, was it something that you would, you were you creating? Do you think you were part of the making that uh, a scene? Or do you think that you just knew this was going to blow up? How would you describe it? Oh, I don't think it was ever about something blowing up. It, uh, for us, it was, it was nurturing, you know, artists, nurturing uh, relationships with local labels, um, um, national labels, you know, big record companies, you know, big record companies are, indi- are indies. And indie maybe even more so. I think that I found like working with like Twin Tone or working with like, you know, Slash or working with like Thrill Jockey or, right. you know, uh, Caroline. I love that. I liked that indie feel. I mean, it wasn't necessarily just working with Warner Brothers where you push the button and the, the, you know, the money gun goes off, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, this was more interesting creatively for a company like Metro. And the, the talent buyers that have always worked with me, you know, I've, I feel that that's a big part of it is that we like music. We're still, as I said earlier, we're fans. So in a way, personal taste is part of it, but also, you know, you know you're looking at that radar. You're looking at what's going on in New York, what's going on in London, what's going on in, in, in Austin, Texas, or Nashville. And you're trying to, you know, build something. Um, you know, I mean, I think about when, you know, Jack White, you know, played drums and Goober in the Peas. He was a drummer, you know? I mean, he tells the story about driving from Michigan, Detroit to Chicago in a snowstorm. He, had, he drove the van, he had the gear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he could, and then he had to drive home, you know? And, 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 and I think that, I like that. I like the fact that Jack has done so well for himself. He's a hardworking guy, very talented guy, but not easy. It wasn't something that happened overnight mm-hmm. for any of these bands. Any of these bands. How is it when somebody does, you know, you see somebody and you're like, man, what a great band or, or just the, a musician in general. And then they do come back and it's like, it's all kind of like happening. Or are you, are you kind of, do they talk to you about like, do you got any tips for me? Like, what should I be aware of? Like, you've seen this happen before. Like I, The tips I give bands is usually let's drink some good red wine or something <laughs> like that. Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that as like, you know, like Machiavellian. I don't see that whole like, like you know, the... the the puppeteer or something like that. That's not who our company is. That's mm-hmm. not who I am. Um, I think that I've been good at registering things. I can, I can sense a song might be a hit or, mm-hmm. or, or that guitar player is really talented. He may not stay in that band for another two or three years. I mean, he may be start his, his own band. Yeah. And so it's that... It's tr- it's figuring out those those things as we go along, and not necessarily. Uh, it's all about like blowing it up. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, and one of the things about the mixtape here is this, that you know, when Prince played Metro, you know, I mean, that was a really big deal. He was already a huge mm-hmm. star. I mean, he was already the MTV world was there, and he was playing large arenas, and he still remembered to come back and play in, in venues, clubs, because that's where he works it out. And, and, and I remember having a conversation with him specifically about that. He was like, that, it's really more about the band. Mm-hmm. The band would then... Because they play, can hear themselves. Well, they play a show, then they do an after show. Right. The after show sometimes would be two, three hours long. I mean, they would jam on like a Buddy Miles track or a Sly and the Family right, Stone right. track. And it was like him 
working with the bass player, him working with the drummer. And boy, when they played the Knicks show and they did the Prince catalog, that band was crisp and ready to go. It's a very, it's old school, like James Brown used to do that with his bands as well. I mean, that was the whole idea behind, you know, a road, a road act. Well, that's a, that you, you mentioned that, and we'll get into the mixtape in a second here, but you mentioned the, the after show aspect and, uh, and, that, uh, and the fact that the best shows, the Lollapalooza post shows, people were more excited, and the bands I know too that I've spoken to are more excited about the post show. They love doing Lollapalooza, yeah. 50,000 people, but like bands like Spoon and all that, they're like, okay, cool, we get to go back to the Metro. Mm-hmm. And it, do you think it's... Do you think it's because they want to work stuff out or because it's that much more fun to them or both? I think that when you, my conversations with, 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 with like with, you know, with Brett, you know, from Spoon or, or, you know, Dave from the Foo Fighters, I mean, you know, there is something to be said about the large event. I mean, it is sure. really, the, it's, it's big, it's great, it's grand, you've got you all the bells and whistles. But when you play a club, you, you are looking basically at a thousand people in the eye. Mm-hmm. And that's different than, you know, on a 20-foot high stage that is about 50 yards wide. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, while it's great and it's cool and I love those big shows, I've always preferred the smaller, intimate, sort of like, like I use the word visceral, but it's, it's also very, it's, it's very physical uh, for the bands. It's very physical for the, for the fans. And the, the two things come together. I mean, it's, it's alchemy. It's, it, it's pure magic. Yeah. yeah, that's like I said, with people leaving just drenched in sweat. Usually, yeah. you, you'd, it's a safe bet to think the performers were also drenched in sweat. You know sure. what I mean? There's nobody who's just like, I'm just doing my thing. You guys can oh, go crazy. Yeah, like, no, it's no, just, no. you know, it's, it's just wild to see bands. Just like, like, I remember I saw the Eels play at the Metro. Oh, good. And did an encore. You just booked them. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'll be there for yeah. sure. Did an encore. And then we were like, well, that's about, that's great. And then they're breaking down the stage. And we're, I don't know what we're still hanging around for. And then E comes back he out comes and starts playing out. again. And I it was know. just like, whoa, everybody right. left. There was like 20 of us. And he's just like, what do you guys want to hear? And it was like, this is this is just one of those things that it's you don't get cool. at the Allstate. Because they're like, get out of here. The law will have to pay everybody. The law says we got yeah, everyone out. But, yeah, the, and it's the, like, the, that's what the rock club gives you that experience wherever you're at. Okay. So that's good because what happens in the clubs, in the smaller venues, is a looseness. And I think that creativity, I think that um, less pressure, you know, I mean, you know, maybe even less photographers, mm-hmm. less all right. of that. It just, it just becomes a more natural, and the after shows kind of play into that because they're usually happening after 11 o'clock at night. You are really talking about hardcore fans yeah. that want to stay up to 2, 3 in the morning to see a band like you know, um, you know uh, Foo Fighters to come sure. in, and, and you, you, you're definitely yeah. a hardcore fan. I know, like a Wednesday. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that exactly. Was, that to me is just like wild. Like I remember when I was in college, I'd come for shows, and like the next day I'd be in class, hungover, and just like being like, nobody else here was at a thing I was at that was as cool last night. Like you just can't. I, there's just no. There's no way. Like I, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, so to come here. And just this was like, oh, this is amazing to see nice. all this, and then you know, drinking at bars afterwards, and it's sure. like, oh shit, that's the guy from the band. Oh my god, you know, right? Like, going right. up to people, like, oh, could you, could I buy you a so, beer? And you're like, that's amazing. So it humanizes for things. sure. And yeah. I think that's another another big point of the smaller venues, and the fact that Metro is next to the G Man Tavern, where you could go and maybe run yeah, into, right? Yeah, exactly. you know, the, the you know um, the guy uh, you know that just was on stage. Yeah, you know? or some people, and, and other bands, happens. other it bands totally supporting, happens. other band members supporting, right? Other local bands. Like I, I when I was I saw the Alkaline Trio. How do you feel when bands play the whole album? 
<laughs> I like that. You like that? I yeah. do. And you know, one of one of the one of the great ones, and it could have been on my mixtape, but uh, is Cheap Trick when mm-hmm. they ended up doing four records, four consecutive nights, mm-hmm. four different records to celebrate the anniversary of the Budokan uh, record. Uh, I mean, to hear you know the first two records, you know the you know I mean. Corrigan and I sat together and we were just slack jawed, like, oh my God, aren't, aren't they still great? Oh my God, when we're hearing our favorite record in the order that we listened to it in That's our like, bedrooms. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was like that kind of moment. You know, you go, oh my gosh. Where do you think is the best spot to stand in the venue to see a show? Well, <clears throat> I don't think there's a bad spot. No. I really not. don't. And that one, because to see the show is one thing, to hear the show is another thing. I think you could be literally in the balcony yeah. um, by the bar and, and maybe not even really see the whole show, but you could be listening and having a cold beer at the bar, talking to your friend, but hear an incredible band. I, yeah. so, so because we're not seated and we have a limited amount of seating in, in the balcony, I, there is a table that I sit at that I've sat at for the last basically... 40 years <laughs> and and so i would have to say that's one of my favorite spots i mean yeah. i did pick that table uh but also i like to get down on the floor sometimes right in front of the sound booth yeah I that's think my that favorite spot because if you know anything about sound you know that the the guy mixing the band exactly. is is listening to it. he's doing it for the room yeah. but it's where he's standing if you're like five feet from him yep you're, I was you're taught. A pretty, you're yeah, a pretty good exactly. I was taught when I first started going to shows, hang out by the sound booth. Yeah, that's the, and so that's the way. At to Metro, be. because it sits on the floor, you have two wings on each side. Mm-hmm. You could literally be right. on each side. We put a little drink rail there, you know. How <laughs> how how do these servers? This I, one of the things. I'll be at a show and I'll be like, "This is so amazing." And then I'll, I have like ADD so bad, and I'll just be like, "How do these servers do this?" They, oh, they're they're going through the crowd. It's amazing. Mosh isn't it? pits. People just going with, crazy with, of with beer, a tray of, of beers and just cocktails. Get out of the way! And I'm like this little the five foot tattooed waitress. Get out of the way! Get out of the way! And I'm like, this is amazing. It's like yeah. it, it took it's me out part of it. It really, it really is it's part, really part of, of it. it. I agree with you. I'm I love you had that. anybody just be like, I can't do this. Why did I think I could do this? Like, they're, <laughs> no. I mean, they're, it's so There's impressive. It's a training to me. process. It is it's so a process. You're right. Yeah. It takes a certain kind of person to be a bartender. Or a waitress, yeah, or a, a door person, yeah, uh, in in any venue. Yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely you know you have to want to be there. Um, it, it it may not be. Um, uh, uh, some nights are great. Yeah, and some nights are not good. I could imagine there's I mean, nights got, where it feels like you went to war. That, yeah, yeah, people are kind of being nasty about some things sometimes. You know. Yeah. Um, but the funny, you know, the funniest thing is uh, the staff at Metro. They would be the shows that we would put on for Shushan Boy Productions, local shows. They loved our crowds because they tipped well. Yeah, <laughs> they were always right, like, sure. "You guys are always tipped because they're all like." <laughs> was there any was there any bands that you're like, "All right, everybody, so and so is coming to town. They're going to be here tonight. Like, it's going to be a tough one, but we'll get through it." Was there anybody like that who, whether it was their crowd or just the vibe in general, it was just like, "We're going to have to put our working shoes on tonight." Dropkick Murphys. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, there. I'm not going to mention or a names. genre. Or I'm a not going to mention maybe. names, but there there are definitely some shows that were you know you'd go, okay. This is going to be long. Yeah. And it's going to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. The length are, is probably number people one. People are going to be, you know, excited. And, um, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, um, sometimes even just the, the vocal aspect of it. I mean, you literally a person would walk on stage and the screaming starts. <laughs> yeah. And the screaming, it's like the Beatle moment. You yeah. Know? It's like they're louder than the band. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the artist will be like. <laughs> oh my gosh! A thousand people right. looking them in the eye, and you've got them all singing along. You know, 
So Alkaline Trio, you mentioned that. Yeah. He's got like they, six of their they tattoos. Do, they do one of the best, like when, like almost like a sing-along. I mean, yeah. people were singing along. Oh, anytime with, they mention with, Chicago it in the, is so incredible. Trio, it's like, Ugh. It's yeah. so incredible that we've been able to do like some residencies mm-hmm. with them where they do like three or four nights in a yep. row. Yep. Um, I tried to get them to do the fifth night to break the Billy Corgan record, but yeah. they wouldn't do it. Maybe some. <laughs> I was at the fourth night. I hope you're listening, Blake. I was um, at the fourth night and I everybody was so Blair, tired. I everybody was just like, oh, come on, Skiva, do this. Yeah. But, but no, but it's cool, you know. Uh, I think that you know. I mean, here, here we are. We're sitting. And we're, Matt Skiba's right over my shoulder yeah. there, yeah. playing oh, drums yeah. for drums. some band, you know. Yeah. So again, we love our community. We love our scene. We're very fortunate to have such great musicians that have come out of Chicago. That we don't always have to have what's coming out of New York or LA or London. Exactly. We've, we've got our own scene. That if we take care of it, and that's what we as a company have tried to do, right. is we've treated it. Every band, as they come in, you're as big as Metallica. Yeah. You're going to play through the same PA. Wow, you're going to be in the same dressing room. Yeah. You're going to take good care of you. As a, that, performer, that's that's nice. as a performer, it's nice because it's like yeah. there's some as you go to a comedy club and you can tell they're like gearing up for like, in three weeks, we have so-and-so. And you're like, but <laughs> I'm here tonight. You know, right. Right. Here we're tonight. saving all the ads for, the, for them or whatever. You don't get any straws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't get any napkins. <laughs> you, let me ask you about, there's one scene where I, I'm just curious and I don't know if, there, if this was ever big in Chicago, but I, I grew up, uh, you know, child of the 80s. Was there a hair metal scene in Chicago? Yeah, there was. And we weren't really quite part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we were more in, because I was saying earlier, it would be kind of like that, you know, the industrial and then the metal side of things. But there was another piece of that. The punk and metal thing mm-hmm. was super positive and super, very productive, actually, as far as bands that were playing in that, at, at that time. So you know bands um, that could like go in between both worlds. Yeah, probably. yeah, bands that were like the punk rock kids thought they were cool, and the model metal kids thought mm-hmm. they were cool, mm-hmm. like Etrope or you know, I mean, some of some of that era was was really important, you know. Um, and you'd maybe drop in a, a, a regional band, someone from Wisconsin or someone from uh, Michigan, to to offset you know a couple of Chicago bands. But I that, love was, it. that was, I think that, it's definitely a cool thing. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get into the mixtape. Uh, this will end part one of our uh, our discussion. Can I get a you. drink? Yeah, go for it. And this is this shows. We go do your thing. We'll talk. Yeah. This is how much Joe likes music. He's also DJing as we do this interview. <laughs> Joe is DJing uh, in the other room. So uh, this is going to be the end of part one. We're yeah. going to start up part two in just a second. Uh, so uh, come on back, tapeheads, for part two. <laughs>